Over the last few weeks, we've been in our uh, passages uh, series, and um, you know, uh, Paul Fleming, Zach Wernicke, a couple of our leaders have done a great job of just sharing what's um, on uh, their hearts, and uh, I'm excited to have the opportunity to do that as well this morning. We'll be in Luke 10, uh, but before we kind of jump in and start reading Scripture, I wanted to just kind of share a little bit of my heart for this passage. And when Michael asked me to preach around, you know, sometime in December, uh, he asked me to kind of share something that God had put on my heart. And uh, what that was was something that Jesus says in this passage. And I'll just say it uh, simply. It's uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And like me, if you're like me and you've been in the church uh, for a while, you've likely heard that before. Maybe that makes you think about serving and us all kind of pitching in uh, and, and helping out with uh, the, the mission of God. Maybe it makes you think of evangelism or missions or something like that. Uh, but for me, what God's been impressing on my heart lately is that God desires to use me uh, for his kingdom. He desires to use me to introduce other people to him. And my heart uh, for you today, if you get nothing else out of this, is that you realize that God desires uh, to use you too. So let's jump into scripture. Let's jump into Luke 10. Uh, the passage is Luke 10, 24. I'm not going to read every verse, but uh, mainly the verses that are relevant for us this morning. Kind of the quick 30-second intro to this verse is that Jesus is now at this point in his public ministry. Uh, he's going out, he's speaking, um, he's performing miracles, he's healing people, and he's starting to get a following. And what Jesus starts to do is people start to follow him as he, in turn, uh, takes those people and he sends them out ahead of him in order to make the way or prepare the way for him in the towns and cities that he's going to. And so that's kind of where we are here in uh, Luke 10, uh, where I pick it up in verse 1. So it says here, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. When you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. And so Jesus says a few other things after that, and he sends them out. And we don't really get the play-by-play -play of what happened when the 72 followers of Jesus went out on mission uh, like Jesus commanded them to. Uh, but we see them come back, and we see that obviously this, uh, it, it went well. It says in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then uh, Jesus responds to that. And then in verse 21, it says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So that's the scripture for this morning. And what I want to do with you this morning is really just walk through four observations that I had about the passage that were challenging to me, and then also walk through three then applications as we think about our take what we've learned here this morning and really uh, try to apply it to our lives. And so the first observation that I would have about this passage that I was challenged by was that workers are just regular people like me that introduce other people to Jesus. And 
the reason I say this is that I look at the passage, and what we see happens in the passage is that followers of Jesus become sent ones for Jesus. And so it's not this type of thing where we've got different classes of Christians, and certain Christians preach the word, and certain Christians just listen. And it's also not the type of thing where you have to be, um, you have to be well-educated or anything like that, because we see that the people that were following Jesus were not necessarily those in prominent positions of the time, but there were people on the fringes, the tax collectors, the fishermen, and so forth. And so one of the things that I was challenged by this passage is that if I ask the question, who does God desire to introduce others to him? The answer isn't someone else. The answer isn't my pastor. The answer isn't a missionary. It's me, because I'm a follower of Jesus. And so if that's true, if I am called to uh, introduce other people to Jesus, then one of the questions I ask, and maybe you ask as well, is how do I go about doing this, or how do I go about this task? And there are three things that I observe from the passage about this uh, that I'll share with you. Uh, the first is that workers go with urgency. The second is that workers travel light. And the third is that workers know the message. And so we'll start with workers go with urgency. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but... If you are like me, I tend to like to procrastinate on doing things that I feel uncomfortable with. I recently uh, was fortunate enough to be able to purchase a home, and I'm not the handiest person when it comes to fixing things in the house. I tried to fix my toilet once. I flooded the whole bathroom. It was a, it was a total mess. And so what I've noticed is that these sorts of tasks that I'm required to do slowly build up over time. And if you ask my wife, Rachel, she knows that the question to ask me is not, are you going to do something? but it's when are you going to do it. I just tend to kind of put things off that I feel uncomfortable with. And I find that when it comes to sharing Jesus with people, I often feel the same way. I don't exactly know what to say. I don't know how to say it. And so it's kind of left for a task for another time. I'm not going to do it today. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel better. I'll, I'll have the words to say. But what we see here is that Jesus sends people out with urgency. He says, go. Second observation, again, about how we go about sharing Jesus with people is that workers travel light. So Jesus tells uh, the followers, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And so the challenge for me there, the takeaway for me there is that, and I'm sure you're like me, but we often carry baggage or we have distractions that keep us from doing the things that Jesus has called us to do, that God has called us to do. And for some of us, there aren't necessarily things that are, all that are our fault. They could be past hurts, uh, past disappointments things like that. For other of us, it's distractions. It's our ambitions, our careers, things like that, that, uh, that keep us from um, following what God has told us to do. But the second thing that I see about workers is that workers travel there. And then the third is that workers know the message. And it wasn't workers can memorize the whole Bible or workers can get, can get into really in-depth theology at a moment's notice, but it's, you know, God gave them or Jesus gave them a specific thing to say workers are able to explain who Jesus is and what he's done in their life. And so if I were to kind of rephrase these as questions to me or challenges to me, the questions that I would have for myself and for you are, do I share Jesus with urgency? Um, so again, first question, do I share Jesus with urgency? Uh, second question, are there distractions or baggage in my life that I carry that distract me from what God has called me to do? And do I need to maybe put those down? And then third, am I able to share with others who Jesus is? Do I understand and can I articulate the basic message? So again, first application for us today, workers are just regular people like me that introduce other people to Jesus. Second observation I had about the passage was that workers pray, and specifically they pray for more workers. It says, uh, again, uh, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so what I was really challenged by in reading that is how much of my prayer life is directed towards the harvest? How much of the time when I pray is it focused on myself and my own problems and my own petty things that you know, I want God to help me through? And again, there's nothing wrong with praying about that. Jesus tells us to uh, cast our burdens upon him. But I was challenged by how much of my prayer life is really others-focused, is really kingdom-focused, and is really about raising up workers for the harvest. And then the second uh, challenge that I had in reading that was, do I really believe that God will send out more workers into the harvest? Do I really believe that God wants to reach people and that uh, God wants uh, people to uh, meet his son, Jesus? And so that was the second challenge that I had. And um, uh, recently, as you know, or as maybe you don't know, but we had a time called the 40 Days of Prayer, which was really kind of an intense time of focusing on prayer uh, we had messages here at Genesis on Sunday mornings centered around prayer. And then we also had every night we had a different prayer topic. And, um, you know, so some of the topics were praying for the church, praying for the community. And the prayer topic that I kind of drew was on Sunday nights, and it was uh, the topic of salvation. And so going into this time of prayer, I was excited, but I was also a little bit apprehensive. It's a very heavy subject. You're talking about salvation. You're talking about eternal destiny things like that. And I was kind of prepared for this to be a very somber time, a time where maybe I have to encourage people that are frustrated or disappointed or things like that. Uh, but it actually turned out to be just the opposite, where I came away from that time in prayer, that time in prayer for salvation, very encouraged. And the reason that I was encouraged was really two things. Um, first, I feel like in that time of prayer, God reaffirmed uh, his love for people. Uh, God reaffirmed that he has a heart for people and he wants uh, to see people come to know him. And then the second thing that encouraged me about that time in prayer uh, for salvation was just that God answers prayer. And when we started to pray, doors started to open, and people would come back in subsequent weeks and say, you know, I've been praying for so-and-so. I just had a phone call with him, and I was very encouraged. I'm hearing this person say things that I hadn't heard before. Or, you know, I was praying for someone, and I didn't even know why I was praying for someone, but I was. And then I talked to that person later, and it turns out I was praying for just the right thing at just the right time. And so some really cool experiences of just seeing our prayer in action actually work. So I was reminded of just the power of prayer there. And so that would be the second observation I have. It says uh, that workers ask God to send out more workers. So workers pray, and specifically they pray for more workers. Third observation about the text is that God uses workers to do amazing things. When we look back at verse 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So if you're like me, you look at that and you're like, what's this whole demon thing going on? Jesus didn't say anything about that when he sent them out. And, but what I was, as I kind of sat with that and I thought about it more, um, rather than kind of going into a dissertation on spiritual warfare and demons and all that stuff, which is a worthy topic for another time, um, what, what I just kind of took from that is that God uses people to do amazing things and God uses people beyond what they're expecting. And I know from my own experience, Oftentimes, I'll go into something, and my expectations are kind of low, but I see that if I'm obedient to what God has called me to do, um, then he actually ends up doing more through me than I was actually expecting. And so I've seen this in my own life, whether it's just me uh, teaching and doing stuff like this, whether it's me leading other leaders here at Genesis and seeing them grow and develop by the grace of God, and certainly not anything that I've done, whether it's been opportunities where I've shared Jesus with my friends, who don't know him, and God's just given me the words to say in that moment, um, even though maybe I haven't cast out demons or I haven't you know, healed people miraculously, 
I can see that God's used me uh, far beyond my expectations. And I think that many of you would say the, the same thing as well. So my third observation uh, was that God uses workers to do amazing things. And the challenge for me with that is to not sell God short. Um, I'm a very rational thinker. I think that I can kind of observe patterns in people and see how things are going to happen, see how things are going to work out. Um, but uh, what I've learned is that I can't under-anticipate or I can't underestimate uh, what God will do through us when we're obedient to him. Excuse me. I'm not used to talking so much, so my mouth gets a little dry. Um, the fourth and final observation I had about the text was that workers find joy and bring joy to Jesus. So, a little bit about me. I'm a software salesperson by trade. My whole day is really like picking up the phone, calling people, trying to figure out if they've got business challenges that the software that I sell uh, can solve. And I spend a lot of time, you know, no, getting hung up on, and so on and so forth. But when I actually get a yes, and when we're actually able to move forward and, uh, and move forward with the sale and close the sale, uh, it's such an encouraging thing. And I feel joy in work when I do that. I think it's the best part of, of a business is when you're able to bring on new customers and when you're able to sell. And I think part of the reason that that's so encouraging, I like that, is that it means I'm not going to get fired and I make a little bit more money and I'm doing my job. But more than that, the reason that I find joy in that is that there's sort of that shared experience with the other people that I work with that we're also working on that deal with me, whether it's my manager, whether it's the different consultants that we bring in to speak to the customer. There's kind of that team element here and that excitement of like, yes, we've accomplished our mission together, we've reached our goals, and, uh, and we've been able to be successful. And what I just shared is just a small worldly example of joy. I think we see something a lot greater, far greater in this passage here when we see the disciples return with joy and we see Jesus' response with joy as well. So we see again in verse 17, I won't read it again, but the disciples come back and they're fired up and they're excited and they're like, Jesus, we were even used to cast out demons in your name. And I just love Jesus' response because he's fired up too and he's excited too. And uh, it says again in verse 21, it says, I'm Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. And so what kind of struck me about that is, I don't know if you're like me, but I'll go through periods in my walk with the Lord where I just feel dry. I, I'm not feeling the joy that I once felt. I'm not excited about Scripture. Um, sometimes the serving that I do is in the flesh, and it's not you know, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I was kind of convicted on with this is that sometimes I think when I'm in those moments, I try to kind of like fix myself. Like if I can just read a little more scripture, then I'll be better off. And maybe I pray for a half hour instead of 15 minutes every day or something like that. And those are good things to do. I'm not discounting that. But I think a lot of the time when we're feeling dry, what we need to do is not do more things, but return to mission with Jesus and return to what God has called us to do. And that's sharing him with other people. And when we do that, then we'll experience the joy that God has for us and that we see in this passage. So those were kind of the four, um, uh, the, the four observations about the passage. The first one, again, was workers are regular people like me that introduce other people to Jesus. Uh, the second observation was workers pray for more workers. Third, God uses workers to do amazing things. And fourth, workers find joy and bring joy to Jesus. So... What I want to spend our remaining time doing this morning is just kind of looking at the application of this. 
You know, so it's like, great, John, I'm, I'm glad that you've told me these three things. This is interesting head knowledge. I'm glad that you've got basic reading comprehension skills and you can tell what's in Scripture. But what does this actually look like for us in our day-to-day lives? And so three quick applications of what does it look like for me and for you to be a worker for Jesus. Um, the, the first thing that I would say would be uh, to spend time with Jesus. As I look at the followers that he sent out in this passage, they didn't go to seminary. They didn't, I mean, seminaries weren't around back then, but they weren't, they didn't, have, they didn't go to religious school. They didn't, uh, you know, they weren't the best educated people, but what they had is they had time with Jesus. And that's what enabled them to do the task that Jesus had called them to do. And for us, you know, in 21st century America, what does it mean to spend time with Jesus? I kind of break it down into, into three different things, two or three different things. The first is just spending time in Scripture. So spending time in God's Word. Uh, the second is spending time in prayer. And then the third, but this kind of goes with the second one, is just asking God for opportunities to share about Him and the workers. Now, on the one hand, I share this with you, and this isn't exactly breaking news, right? Like, I'm sure none of you thought that you'd go to church one day and someone would tell you to read the Bible and, and pray, right? This isn't earth-shattering stuff. But for me, why this is so important for me is that when I do that, when I spend time in Scripture, when I spend time in prayer, what it allows God to do is not allow me to learn more head knowledge or to get smarter or to understand who God is, although it does that. But what God also does is he realigns my heart with his heart. And I start to see people the way that God sees people. And so if I'm going to be used by God to influence others for him, to introduce others for him, then I need to love people the way that God loves people. And that just doesn't come to me naturally. Naturally, I'm a proud person. Naturally, I'm an ambitious person. I'm an impatient person. I can be an angry person. But when I'm able to spend time in Scripture and spend time in prayer, it allows God to realign my heart to his so that I see people the way that God does. And I think the challenge for me is that, you know, I can make plenty of excuses about, oh, I don't have time to spend time in the Word. I've got a really busy week. Uh, But the reality is that I do have time and that it's just a matter of me being disciplined and being willing to, to do that. So first quick application of what does it look like for me and for you to be a worker, I would say spend time with Jesus. Second thing I would say uh, would be to see yourself as sent. Uh, another way of saying that is God our reason. And so simply put, kind of the analogy I would use for that is I think a lot of us spend a lot of our lives waiting at the phone. And what I mean by that is we're waiting for this call to go off and do something amazing. We're waiting for the call to pick up and move and go somewhere else. We're waiting for the call for a new job that will give us more influence and allow us to share with Jesus more. We're waiting for a call to go be a missionary in Africa or waiting for a call to go to seminary and to be a pastor. And there's nothing wrong with waiting for that or desiring that, but we need to remember that God's placed us where we are for a specific reason, and he wants you to reach the people that you're around right now uh, for him. And so what does this look like for me practically as I kind of think about this? Really three things. First is that I take the time to care for the people that God's placed in my life now. So the people that I come in touch with at work, my neighbors, these aren't people that are annoyances. These aren't people that I'm trying to get by because I'm trying to get on to the next thing in life. But I realize that God's put me in their path for a specific purpose, and that's to love on them and to share uh, who Jesus is with them. That kind of leads me to my, my, my second thing here. What does it look like practically to see myself as sent? And it's just being willing to be open to sharing what Jesus is doing in your life. It means that when someone asks you how your weekend was, it's not just like, oh, it was okay, I watched the Patriots. But, you know, you talk about going to church. You talk about what you learned there. You talk about the blessings that God's placed in your life. And you're just willing to be honest and share 
what Jesus has done for you. And, you know, it's great to understand theology. It's great to understand those types of things. And again, it's, it's good to do, but you don't need to feel unequipped because you don't feel like you can, you know, state the five points of Calvinism or things like that. It's just about sharing what Jesus has done in your life. And then the third thing I would say, or the third element of seeing yourself as sent, is that you're ready for opportunities to go deeper with the people that God has placed in your life. I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I feel like I see these opportunities just kind of fly by me because I'm just not ready for them when they come. You know, I'm going through my work day. I'm kind of been out of shape about something, a call or a presentation that I had didn't go the way that I wanted to. My manager's giving me a hard time about my numbers or something like that. And so I'm just kind of irritated and annoyed, and I'm just kind of in this angry state. And then all of a sudden, one of my coworkers comes up to me and asks me about the church that I go to or asks me what I think about a certain viewpoint or something like that as a Christian, and I'm just not ready for it. And uh, that moment just goes by, and I kind of grunt at him, or like, I don't know, and I go about my day, uh, because I'm just not ready for uh, the opportunity that God's uh, brought in front of me. And so that would be the third thing I would say, of what does it mean to see yourself as sent where you are? I would say that it's really being ready for the opportunity to go deeper with the people that God has placed in your life. Um, Third application, uh, and the final application here, uh, would be to not just attend your church, but to partner with your church in ministry. And I certainly realize that for many of you, or for some of you maybe, Genesis is not your uh, church home, so maybe it's the, the church back where you come from. Uh, but for many of us, it certainly is Genesis. And so it's being willing to uh, partner with Genesis in ministry. And um, really, I would kind of divide that into to two main ways that you can do that. And one is you know, serving here and being a part of what we do on Sunday mornings. But also, too, it's taking someone from here with you and being willing to go out into the community and be sent out like, uh, uh, like Jesus sent out his followers. And so just to kind of elaborate on both of those points, uh, first of all, just serving here at Genesis on Sunday morning. As a deacon, I'm kind of one of the lead servants here. And so I see a lot of the different ministries, and I try to encourage the leaders. And one of the things that I try to encourage them with is that everything that we do to on Sunday mornings, whether it's, and throughout the week, whether it's the facilities work, whether it's Brendan Cooney leading up the facilities team, whether it's uh, Kyla Davis and the Genesis Kids Ministry, whether it's any number of things, I'm not going to run through all the teams, but all of those things have an opportunity to be used by God to point people to Jesus. Maybe someone comes here on a Sunday morning, and it's the fact that we've got a clean facility and a clean bathroom that makes them feel at home and feel like they want to come back here and learn more about Jesus. If you're serving in Genesis Kids, what a great opportunity to influence the next generation for Jesus. And so it's really seen serving as not just like, oh, John's trying to get me to do stuff because these are needs that have to be met, but it's seen serving as something that contributes to the kingdom of God and contributes to reaching other people for Jesus. And then the second thing is just going out into the community together. And this is something hopefully that we're able to do on our own. Uh, Just, you know, when we're going to hang out with friends, grab someone from Genesis and bring them with you. And maybe they'll have an opportunity to speak into their life, whether it's our community groups going out and serving our neighbors. Um, There are just different opportunities that we have as a community to reach our community that we wouldn't have as individuals. And so it's important that we're willing to uh, partner with our church, whether it's Genesis or a different church, in order to be able to do that. So... Uh, Again, those were the the three applications. The first one was spending time with Jesus. The second one is seeing yourself as sent. And the third one is not just attending your church, but partnering with your church uh, in ministry. 
So I, I just want to close our time today, uh, kind of moving past those points, by just saying that I'm excited to see what God's going to do through each and every one of you. Um, as we've gotten bigger, it's been exciting. One of the downsides of that is I don't know all of you like I used to, so I don't know all of your stories. But I do have a conviction and a belief that God's placed you in Genesis for a specific reason and that he desires to use you for his kingdom. And that's going to look different for everyone. For some of us, it means that if we're a mom, we're a great mom to our kids and we teach our kids about Jesus. For other, and you know, we're willing to encourage other moms and encourage our neighbors. For others of us, it's going to mean going out and living in the corporate world and trying to reach uh, our coworkers uh, for Jesus. For other people, it might mean uh, serving at Genesis in uh, uh, an area of, of leadership, whether it's vocational or whether it's on a volunteer basis. But we all have a role to play here. And I just want to encourage you that you are the main thing that God's going to use uh, to influence the Boston area. We've got a lot of great stuff here at Genesis. I'm encouraged by our leadership. I think we've got great leaders. We've got talented people here, very welcoming space, uh, talented people, great artists. But the people that are, you know, those things can only take us so far. Michael can only talk to so many people. Paul, Zach can only talk to so many people. What's really going to allow us to impact our community for Christ is going to be you. And I'm encouraged just to see how God is going to do that. I'm excited to see how God is going to do that um, as we uh, proceed forward.